What's up, everybody? Hi, guys. Thank you for stopping by. This is Dominika and Basha. You are listening to the Slavic Bestiary podcast. We are the two students who want to immerse you in legends about monsters, creatures, and spirits alike that appear in Slavic mythology. Why you should be with us? Slavic culture is a newfound passion of ours, and we encourage everyone who likes dark and mysterious topics to listen. In this episode, we will discuss a few examples of monster women found throughout Slavic myths and legends that we ourselves found especially interesting and unique. In addition to shocking facts, we will talk about the origins and ways to stay safe when stumbling upon those beasts. So, if any of that sounds intriguing to you, make sure to stick around for the whole thing. Shall we begin? Alright, so I don't see any reason why not to start with a type of spirit that is one of my personal favorites. Uh, well, this is like a two-in-one type of thing, but we'll get to that in a little bit. First of all, Poudnica. Known right in English or, and this is kind of a reach, but very cool nonetheless, Lady Midday or even Midday Bride. So the deal of Poudnica, or Lady Midday, we're sticking with this translation, is that she would roam wheat fields in the middle of the day when it is the hottest and cause, let's just say for now, trouble for anybody unlucky enough to have stumbled upon her. She is usually described as being a young woman, more rarely as an old hag or even a little girl dressed in all white. Although she apparently spent so much time in the sun, she was still incredibly pale. She was really skinny, almost skeletal. So skeletal, in fact, that she's sometimes depicted as having a naked skull sitting on her shoulders instead of, you know, a normal human head. And if that wasn't enough, she was said to have teeth made of iron. She could also take form of a head hot air and dust whirlwind, and even better, she always appeared with a very sharp and potentially dangerous stolen hand, like a scythe, sickle, or shears. So yeah, there's a pretty disturbing mental image right there. She would also take form of a hot air and dust whirlwind, and even better, she always appeared with a very sharp and potentially dangerous stolen hand, like a scythe, sickle, or shears. So yeah, that's a pretty disturbing mental image right there. Lady Midday, as her name implies, would make herself evident at high noon only on the hottest of summer days and simply make conversation. At first, as it went on though, she would gradually become more and more bored with it and would start asking you some rather difficult questions. And hopefully you were good at riddles, because Noonrites did not have any qualms about decapitating you right there and then with whatever sharp object she had at hand. Same thing if you even try to change the subject. She cannot be tricked. But death isn't always the only option, as all mythological creatures have one thing in common. They are fickle and capricious by nature. As easy as she could murder you, Lady Midday could afflict one of hallucinations, dizziness, terrible migraines, and even madness. Basically, all of the symptoms of heat stroke, which Polvnica was very much associated with. Some would even say they were one and the same. But Nunrite might have one redeeming quality to her. She seemed to have a fondness for young and married women. 
Don't we all? Uh, anyway, this bird absolutely loves to dance, and if she sees a girl lying down to rest on the field, she'll wake her up and begin to persuade her to sway, twirl, spin, and what have you. The girl agrees she'll be forced to dance until evening, which could rightfully be considered a type of torture on its own. Fortunately, there's a bright side. If this girl successfully keeps up with the spirit, Lady Midday will present her with a rich dowry for her wedding. This may not seem like much today, but thanks to a big amount of money, the young woman could afford to have multiple options when choosing her future husband. If one didn't want to risk getting beheaded, going mad, or dying of exhaustion, the safest option would be to simply take a break from working on the field at noon and find some shade to sit in and thus miss Lady Midday entirely. When it comes to the origins of the Povodnica, theories differ. A wicked mother, a spiteful old woman who never married, or a greedy widow, all of those could turn into a noon raid upon death. But there's also one belief that makes Lady Midday seem much more special and one of a kind, as opposed to just another bloodthirsty ghost. This legend claims that Povodnica is actually the personification of the Midday Star, and along with her three sisters, or possibly just different versions of herself, depending on the myth, she represents the four times of the day, dawn, midday, dusk, and midnight. Out of all of those, Yudshenka, the one representing the morning star, is probably the most popular overall. She gets her own name and all. She's the goddess of sunrise and daybreak, and she has many, many alternative names and appearances throughout mythologies of the world. She's generally considered gentle and merciful, but that seems not to be the case when it comes to her three younger sisters. The noon rite we have already discussed, and we're not going to dwell on the evening rite because she just gets completely outshined by the youngest of the bunch, Pulnocnica, or night rite, or Lady Midnight. The spirit is very similar to Lady Midday, both in appearance as well as behavior, but believe it or not, she's even more dangerous, and that's the case for one simple reason. Unlike her noon equivalent, she's not tied to fields and can roam freely. Imagine that. But night raids weren't limited only to the wilderness, as they often wandered into villages and harassed people there too. They made infants cry in their cradles and had a nasty habit of sitting on people's chests while they slept, afflicting them with night terrors and absorbing their life energy. Whatever that is. That's why they are also known as a type of vampire, and probably are the personification of sleep paralysis. It was believed that if you wanted to drive away late in midnight, you should wear a rock with a hole in it somewhere on your person. Some of you may remember an artifact like that from the animated movie Coraline. It helped the main heroine get away from a monster acting as her mother, who was clearly slightly inspired by the legend of Night Raid. And I think that is all there is to say about Lady Midday and Lady Midnight, two sisters bringing misfortune and fear to anybody they encountered. So different, yet the same. The flying monster of a woman could not be missing here. And it is a striga, in Polish strzega. The appearance of this female demon is described as a creature with bird-like claws and also it's capable of transforming into an owl. The dark nature of the Shiga briefly keeps to its history. Sleepwalkers, people without armpit hair, people with a monobrow, newborns with fully formed teeth 
and old people who talk to themselves were considered tricks. And the interesting fact, there was also a male variety. In times of epidemics, the sick were buried in graves while still alive. Some managed to get out with their bare hands and then wandered around with their hands covered in blood. Their nails were torn off and they too were considered strigas. Such people were said to have two hearts and therefore two souls. When a striga was recognized in its first life, it was chased out of human settlements. The striga usually died young, but when one soul passed away, the other lived on and had to hunt to survive. This female monster sucked blood, ate entrails and flew like an owl at night. Demons were also able to satisfy themselves with the blood of animals for a while, but not for too long. The streaks harmed everyone they encountered especially members of their own family, for example, by foretelling their death. This was revenge for the way they had been treated when they were alive. The Strigas were able to return to their surviving family members, to their homes and perform their old duties at night. This reflected on the state of the family, causing insomnia, fatigue and general, general restlessness. The streaks could also blow out the candles in a church, which was a sign of their presence. The way to prevent a person from turning into a striga was to bury them face down and also blindfolded. It was believed that decapitating the corpse and burying the head separated from the rest of the body would prevent them from rising from the dead. Is this myth not terrifying? I hope your heads are in the right place after hearing such a way to bury. Next up, let's discuss not one, but rather a whole group of nature demons, Boginki, which is pretty hard to translate to English perfectly, but basically it means something like minor goddesses. There are many, many types of Boginki, and more often than not, they share themes and features, so I'll try and focus on what makes them different from one another instead. But first, an overview. When it comes to looks, Boginki are either pictured as hideous women with saggy breasts, big heads and crooked legs, or as beautiful young girls, usually scantily clad or just naked. There's no in-between. They were very pale and had long, beautiful hair, black if they lived on land or blonde if they lived in water. As nature spirits, they exclusively lived in bogs, lakes, rivers, forests or mountains, but never too far away from human settlements. That's because Boginki were very mischievous and spiteful and could never go too long without causing trouble and or harm to others. Those games could be something as innocent as spooking horses or cattle drinking from the lake, but also more serious, like destroying crops or fishing nets. But they were also very much capable of kidnapping or even murder. It was said that they abducted unbaptized newborn babies, usually at noon or midnight, and left their own sickly ones instead. 
They could do that by tricking the mother or outright attacking her. Not only that, they would also kidnap women who served as wet nurses for their offspring. Boginki seemed to especially despise pretty, happy, married women whom they were said to be incredibly envious of. But there appears to be a clear reason for that, as all Boginki used to be young women themselves. It was believed that to become a Boginka, a woman had to die either by murder or suicide, especially if she was drowned. This makes Boginki not only spirits of nature, but also of revenge and malice. As I previously mentioned, there are many types of Boginki, so let's concentrate on the three most unique ones. Starting with Rusauki, by far the most common type of Boginka in Polish mythology. They love to seduce young men to bathing or swinging on tree branches together, and as long as you didn't touch them, you were relatively safe. Or as safe as one can be, literally surrounded by demons. Otherwise, they killed their victims by tickling them to death. They were considered very cheerful. They liked dancing, singing, and joking among each other. They were usually found in groups during the new moon, and they also loved riddles, and if you answered them correctly, you could go in peace. Next, we have Viwe, who, unlike Rusauki, lived high in the sky among the clouds. They appeared as beautiful, petite, winged women with transparent-like skin, but often transformed into swans, wolves, falcons, horses, or even monkeys. They could manipulate weather at will, and just like weather, they were very finicky with their feelings. They could help a young man get married or blind him. They could warn against storm or cause it. There was no telling what fate awaited you once you set eyes on a viwa. And lastly, we have divojone, which literally translates into weird or wild wives. They were depicted as hideous, hunchbacked, half-women, half-animals, covered with hair all over their body, with long, tangled hair. Divojane lived under bridges, stealing food and pulling people, but only sinners, over the edge. They were most commonly encountered during winter, as their favorite method of killing was by letting their victim freeze to death. They loved to drag them around a cemetery in their last moments. As I previously mentioned, there are many more types of boginki. Those are just three of the most well-known. If you are interested in hearing about other ones, make sure to write us a comment and we'll gladly make an episode about them in the future. The last female demon for today is Plak Maiden, or the Maid of Pestilence, in Polish Morowa Dziewica. She is said to have appeared before the plague befell a town. She is often described as waving a red handkerchief in front of her victim's doors. Why red? Either because it is so stained or because it is soaked in blood. Some folk tales say that she wears a white outfit and has a fairy wreath across her temple. It is commonly said that she is a withered old woman carrying either a rake or broom. If she used a rake, some in the household may have survived. If she used a broom, there was no mercy. No one knows whether this spirit brings the pox with her or is merely drowned to it like a moth to a light. Yet it is certain that she delights in dealing pain and suffering.
in hearing the howling and moaning of men. This demon embodies the disease and pestilence that weighed down on humanity. Thanks for listening to the Slavic Bestiary Podcast with your hosts Basha and Dominika. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into monster woman of Slavic mythology and hopefully you learned something new today. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, leave a rating and review and check out our donation link in the description. Let us know what you would like to hear about next. Thank you once again for being with us and with luck you will know what to do when next time you meet a monster.